Hello and welcome to another episode of Grant Slant's Detroit's Day. Today is February 1st, it's Monday, and over the weekend, something jaw-dropping happened. Matthew Stafford, quarterback of the Detroit Lions his entire career with, I mean, stats and just about stats to show for it. Zero playoff wins, a couple playoff appearances, but really nothing from a team standpoint. He gave it his all in Detroit playing through dislocated shoulders, broken hand, injured backs, injured feet. I mean, he probably hurt just about everything in his body playing for Detroit. And they finally give him his hero's farewell. They say, hey, sorry, I appreciate the 10 plus years that you've given this organization. But it's just not going to happen here. And I love that it was mutual. Mutual. I love that Stafford had to say where he went, which he would go on to say anywhere but New England. I think something about a former defensive coordinator slash head, head coach. Um, something about him going back to New England just wasn't in the cards for him. Don't know what it was. <laughs> anyway, Matthew Stafford was shipped to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff and a handful of future first round picks. And that is the best thing for every single team, everyone involved truly got the best. Yes, the Rams gave up a relative King's ransom for that final piece in their organization, getting that quarterback after establishing Cam Akers as a successful running back and obviously having a dominating defense for the last couple of years, the Rams are poised to finally not only get to the Super Bowl again, but win it this time. Not saying they are the best team in the AFC or NFC, because either in the NFC and the Chiefs in the AFC, I mean, you could say the Packers now have a formidable opponent. The Saints obviously kind of on their way down. Um, Drew Brees most likely stepping away, their entire team being in some sort of cap hell. The Rams are coming up at the perfect time. You know, I mean, the Packers are kind of getting to that point of when are we moving from Rodgers. Like I said, the Saints are probably not going to see the playoffs for quite some time after this. Tom Brady has, I mean, Tom Brady looks like he has five more years, but who really knows? And... On the other hand, the Lions weren't going to do anything next year. I mean, you can't take the wor- your worst defensive year of all time and immediately go to the playoffs the next year. And Jared Goff isn't the quarterback to do that. He's not the, he's not the guy to take the Lions to the playoffs. If Stafford couldn't get the Lions to the playoffs, Jared Goff won't even get close. I'd give... Matthew Stafford wins above replacement is war, probably at two. Like, estimated, I would probably say the Lions win about three games with Jared Goff next year. But that's kind of exactly where the Lions want to be right now. Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have come out to say we're probably about two to three years out. So taking on this Jared Goff contract that becomes incredibly more attractive as the years go on and he has less and less of a cap hit can almost get completely rid of him next season for not much you start to see what the lines are doing they're doing what unfortunately timed as this is 
doing what every other Detroit team has done or is doing. Rebuilding. It's not a reboot. It's not a refill. It's a rebuild. It has to be classified as that because this is going to take a while. This isn't a thing where you're just going to pump Jared, pump and dump Jared Goff, put him in for a season, watch him be stellar because he won't be. I mean, he certainly won't have better stats than Stafford at the end of next season. I can put the personal Grant Slants guarantee on that. The GSG. Grant Slants guarantee Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions will be worse than Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions in 2020. It's not that hot of a take, and that's why I'm slapping the guarantee on it, because it's almost a given. It's exciting to watch Stafford go off into the distance and play for a formidable team that has been built from the ground up and is fully established now. I mean, I'm probably going to draft Robert Woods as my wide receiver one, which I hope he's still available in the second round, because, I mean, my goodness... Stafford can throw the ball. He has proven that as much as he needed to prove it. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now. He's just never had a team. And that's crushed his legacy. And you see these things go on from time to time where a quarterback has been completely wasted. And it's really disheartening. I mean, you look at Drew Brees, one Super Bowl in New Orleans throughout his entire career. With the Saints being one of the best defenses in the league at times, one of the most explosive offenses, and one of the leading receivers in the game in Michael Thomas, and they took home one Super Bowl. That being said, I love where the Lions are right now. Again, obviously, full knowledge that this season is not going to be the season where they get their playoff appearance or playoff win. Um, Obviously, still an entire defense like the Raiders away from that, but probably... Even more, even more in need of help than the Raiders on defense. Paired with a pretty not bad offense. I mean, obviously things are incredibly not set in stone as Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones both have the option to not return to the team, which would take everything I said about the defense being de- or the offense being de- decent and completely throw that out the window then you have deandre swift tj hawkinson cephas i guess i mean really just not anything but this is where it starts to get fun when you start building with young guys building with a couple traded veterans you see what the pistons are doing right now no they're not winning games but they're competing they just beat the lakers the other day i mean and then got shellacked by the warriors a couple nights later but they're winning against teams they shouldn't and they're also losing to teams that they probably should lose to. It's not going to be the most pretty thing in the world <laughs> these next couple of years. And not gaining a first-round pick from the Rams this year might delay things a year. But now they're fully locked and loaded for the next two after that. Which, I mean, geez, two first-round picks in the next two years after this? Yeah, I'd sit out a year for that. I'd take on Jared Goff for that it's it's not the end of the world that the Lions don't get an extra pick this year and anyone out there kind of mad about it or saying the Lions like didn't get enough I think that's a little 
insane because I mean you can't expect the world of a past his prime I'm not saying Stafford bad but he's not 25 anymore he's 32 going on 33 and honestly getting a first rounder for Stafford was almost good enough I mean if you go first first rounder and then some assets or something and not taking Jared Goff maybe you could argue that might be more beneficial but that's still in the mindset of winning now the Lions can take on whoever they want next year it doesn't change anything because they're not there they're not a playoff team they're not a playoff caliber or playoff ready they can do whatever they want with contracts as long as they stay under the cap and don't take any penalties because it's going to be a tough season next year and as big of a bummer as that is it's going to start being a little more fun you get those young guys in there you start finding guys to pull for that even rookie offensive linemen defensive linemen guys you don't necessarily hear about you're going to start knowing them growing up fans and before you know it if you start to enjoy the pist or the lions rebuild you're gonna eventually wake up and the lions will be good and i am in absolute full support of dan campbell i love what he's done i love what brad holmes has done i mean i'm liking where the lions are headed right now they were hanging by a thread of we're a couple pieces away to make the playoffs to completely admitting no this is not going to be a built up team it has to be torn down before it can be rebuilt which takes a little bit and is obviously frustrating after many years of continuing to struggle this was long overdue and i don't i can't pinpoint when the lions should have started this rebuild but some could argue it may have been before patricia got here if patricia was going to be the rebuild coach that would have explained a lot more i guess because i mean he was a terrible coach (laughs) so if you're trying to lose and you're trying to get draft picks he was the guy but neither here nor there there was a point where the Lions should have started to rebuild and it wasn't in the recent past it's been coming for a while maybe since 2016 when they made the playoffs last where you just kind of say okay we don't have it and as sad as that is when you make the playoffs because everyone thinks oh we just made the playoffs we cracked in now let's take that next step the Lions were just kind of flickering towards the end I remember because it was so exciting that the Lions and the Raiders were both on pace to make the playoffs, and they both did, and both lost. And then the Raiders went downhill fast, and the Lions followed. It's It's been very similar um, kind of patterns for the Lions and the Raiders. They both signed their most second most recent head coach, or most recent for the Raiders, John Gruden and Matt Patricia, in the same year following an exit from the playoffs and then immediately didn't do well and it was it's funny to watch that the two teams I support in the NFL are on the same path normally you have like your team like the Lions you have that team and then you have 
an AFC team that is probably going to make the Super Bowl, like the Chiefs every year. The two teams I was pulling for, the AFC team and my NFC team in the Lions, both kind of crapped the bed at the same time. So I've had minimal success to watch, and I don't have the mental capacity or the cheering capacity to pull on a third team. Yeah, I'll pick my playoff teams like the Bills or, I mean, I hate both teams in the Super Bowl right now, but like you have your teams, but when both of your teams are kind of down and that's how I can kind of feel with, I mean, all of Detroit right now, there's not this one team to turn to where it's, oh, they're always good. It used to be the Wings where even when the Pistons were having down years, the Lions were having down years. The Tigers, I mean, the Tigers were having good years when the Wings were having good years, but regardless, you could always look to the Wings and be like, oh, they'll make the playoffs. Now we don't even have that. We have rebuilding. I mean, on the come up with the Tigers, middle to getting to the come up for the Wings, the Pistons are right in the middle of it. I mean, they haven't even shipped their veterans yet, so they still have a lot of progress to go. And now the Lions are shipping their biggest trade asset so the Lions are I would argue ahead of the Pistons here even though the Lions just kind of started officially rebuilding Saturday night by trading Matthew Stafford just like that I mean if the Pistons can swing Blake Griffin Derek Rose maybe even Wayne Ellington for a second rounder we might flee somebody and give Wayne Ellington a second rounder which or you know what I mean get a second rounder for Wayne Ellington and I don't know this is a horribly announced segue into kind of just the rest of Detroit sports where I don't really know it doesn't feel like I'm hearing a lot of buzz around Jeremiah Grant getting traded which a I love him in Detroit I love that he came to Detroit with the aspirations of being good being the guy being it which he now is according to you should usage statistics but he's also probably worth at least a first rounder as he continues to put up 20 points a night at least and begins garnering all-star respects if the pistons can get jeremiah grant to the all-star game they're going to be looking at a nice trade package for him or they have a great younger player to build around with a bunch of other young players chomping at the bit to establish themselves get the minutes in and that's where the Pistons kind of are it's not entirely just young guys or guys with a chance to prove something you still got your veterans mixed in and that's fine now because you do need veteran leadership and direction going forward but when they get these vets traded Blake Griffin Derrick Rose maybe Wayne Ellington we'll see about Jeremy Grant I would like like I'm loving what Jeremy Grant's doing day in day out almost like with the 20 point streak and all and just being the guy in Detroit but is he the one to build around and obviously it was going to be Killian and now everything's kind of delayed on his return I mean fortunately he is returning because I mean, apparently it was, I think I mentioned this last time, millimeters from a career-ending hip injury where he would just never walk, run, jump the same again. So he'll come back, and then maybe you can establish some connection, but I'm very disappointed that there was so 
such a minimal like time for Jeremiah Grant and Killian Hayes to get clicking on the same page. If they could could have both gotten rolling and we could have seen something, we might have a little bit better of an idea of what Jeremiah Grant will be down the road. He has the heart. You can tell. You came to Detroit to be the dude. And so shipping him to a contender, somebody who has other dudes, if you will, might completely ruin his motivation. He wants to be it. He's not necessarily good enough to be it on the Lakers or obviously some of these very good teams, the Bucks. I mean, you can pull for this guy as much as you want to get traded and go somewhere where he can win, but that might not necessarily be in Jeremiah Grant's exact specifications of what he wants to do in in while he has his youth. And that kind of opens up the debate to if he wants to be the dude, let's keep him here. Because he's not going to be thrilled if he goes to a contender or goes to someone with <laughs> any star. I mean, you name a star player, I mean, you name someone who might get to the All-Star game and they might they'll probably take dominance over Jeremiah Grant. He's a great helpful piece to a team that just needs like one piece but that's not what he wants to be and that's what kind of excites me about him staying here because if he wants to be the dude he has full reign over being the dude from here till I mean even when Killian comes back it's still gonna be Jeremiah's team at least until Maybe Killian outshines him, but it could remain Jeremiah Grant's team for years to come. And, I mean, obviously the Pistons looking at a top three pick, or at least top three lottery odds, in the near in this near upcoming draft after the season. I mean, they're already at the bottom of the East. So maybe the Pistons get a Cade Cunningham, or they get a Scuggs or Scruggs, and maybe they develop together, but I think Killian, if this were hockey, or no, not Killian, I think Jeremiah, if this were hockey, would get the C, get the captain's C plastered on his jersey, which, by the way, I wish all sports did that. I know the NFL does, and I know obviously hockey does, but I wish other sports did. That would be very cool. But again, that's neither here nor there. But as of right now, and the longer he stays, the more of his team it becomes, Jeremiah Grant is kind of that guy. And while we're on the topic of the Pistons, I just, there's a couple guys that you look at, you see, you watch them play for a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's, their minutes are kind of shifted. We saw it with Seku early in the year where he showed promise. He obviously showed signs of uncomfortability, uncomfortability and instantly lost minutes and that's not how you get rid of the uncomfortability but then you also look at guys like Sadiq Bey who was like one of the Pistons first kind of emerging sharpshooters getting flip-flop from bench to starting bench to starting and then not playing at times and obviously you're tinkering with the lineup and I get that but with these young guys I'm a big development guy, if you can't tell, and I feel like not giving them an established role, whether it's starting or on the bench, is probably worse than shifting them from bench to start to bench to start to not playing at all. 
I don't like the way that's headed. I don't like that in the slightest. I mean, Seiko against the Lakers got 13 minutes. But then there's other games where he will get five in a game. And it might not even be a full five-minute shift. It might be a two-and-a-half at the end of a quarter and a two-and-a-half at the end of the quarter just to get guys rest. And that is not where we want to go. I mean, obviously, you can't play everyone at the same time, but soon there's going to have to be some sort of uniformity where we have our start, our regular starting five, we have our bench guys, and those minutes are regularly established. This bouncing around sure gives guys time to shine but it also doesn't let them get into the role of the game and get used to it if you come off if you start one game you're obviously playing against starters in the first quarter if you come off the bench you're obviously playing against the bench guys so if you go playing against starters playing against the bench playing against starters playing against the bench not playing where do you think you stand i mean there's just uncertainty there it's a lot of questions and it's just not what I like to see. And I'm not complaining anymore about Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose getting a ton of minutes. Whatever. We have to trade them. Fine. Blake Griffin looked good against the Lakers. I wished Troy Weaver would make a couple calls that night saying, hey, you saw Blake Griffin. He can be on your team. Obviously didn't do it. And then we're just kind of at the mercy of the market for Blake and Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose has kind of been that steady guy who will probably get a second rounder for. But... Blake Griffin has been so up and down where he's, I mean, he's still playing like 35 minutes a game most nights, but producing at completely different levels. It's high, it's low, it's high, it's low. And doing that also affects the player, the younger guys that are going starting bench, starting bench. That kind of throws off the entire feng shui or the chemistry of the team, which at this point is kind of necessary to establish when you have guys you want around for the long term like a Sadiq Bey like a perhaps a Svi Mikhailuk like you get up into those levels of guys who might not be starters right now they might be long-term assets for the team like a long-term sixth man or a long-term even seventh man just because they're not starting doesn't mean you don't hold on to them they still have to learn roles and obviously this is a strange season of rebuilding and lack of preseason but it just feels like it could be done a little better and I'm not saying give guys the same number of minutes every night no matter what but at least do something similar keep something keep the starters the same unless obviously it's a rest day for Blake or whatever if everyone's healthy keep the starters relatively the same because we're not necessarily 100% trying to go out and win the championship right now. It's not happening this year. No matter who you put out there in the organization, nobody can take this team to the finals, let alone the playoffs. I mean, you could even say, take three guys and just say, you're starting every night if you're playing. And then maybe mix around with that a little bit, but you have to get some sort of establishment out of the guys that aren't veterans or out of the guys that will be here after the trade deadline and in doing that you let guys see okay this guy can fulfill a leader role and you start to see different things about guys but obviously this all happens once trades have been made kind of freeing up the Pistons roster that's what I'm really getting excited about the Pistons is when they have just the young guys and anyone they weren't able to trade 
On the other hand, I am nervous that Jeremiah Grant gets traded and is unhappy about it. But as we've seen, Troy Weaver's not afraid to pull the trigger on trades or on really anything. And we haven't really had the example of Jeremiah Grant due to him being completely unique and wanting to be in Detroit because he can be that guy. So you can't really tell if Troy Weaver cares about Jeremiah Grant's wants. He might just go after the good of the team, which would upset Grant by most likely trading him, considering what you can get for him, and the Pistons not being in a spot to win this season or probably next season. It might come down to a, well, what the team needs is bigger than what you want. And finding that medium, and I would love it if Jeremiah Grant remained on the Pistons. I I like him running the show. I like him being the guy. But I just... If there's more picks to be earned from him, if he's worth a first or, I mean, a first and a second or a first and an asset or a first and some space, cap space, I would have a hard time not pulling the trigger. It's just, it's going to come down to how aggressive Troy Weaver wants to be at this trade deadline. How many draft picks he likes in this upcoming draft. If he's in love with the top 15 Jeremiah Grant will probably get moved. If this is a down year in Troy Weaver's eyes, it Jeremiah Grant could stay and could even bolster his repertoire, resume, whatever you want to call it, even more. And it, it again, it's that teetering line of how bad do we need a pick? How, ma- how bad do we need a pick this year? I wouldn't be surprised if the Pistons held Jeremiah Grant for the season and moved him during the draft. Hey, we'll give you Jeremiah. Give us your first. Boom, done. It's it's a weird spot where like you don't know who your neighbor is going to be on this team. Things can change very quickly. Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose get on hot streaks. Wayne Ellington continues shooting like he does. I mean, we could swing guys early. I don't think... I think Blake Griffin's going to come down to the trade deadline. I think it's going to be a last call in a midnight hour. Hey, we need a power forward. We need a backup power forward. Okay, we got just the guy. We got one of the best backup power forwards in the league. I mean, maybe not this year because it still hasn't dunked. Which, I mean, dude, I don't dunk. And I've had a number of fast breaks in pickup where it's just like, if I could dunk, I would have. I just find it hard to believe that Blake Griffin's never been on a fast break and just not dunked it. Unless he... I feel like Blake Griffin's always going to be able to dunk because he gets, he used to at least get way up above the rim. As we've all seen, I mean, he was the establishing piece of Lob City. So, I don't know. I think there's going to be someone that bites. Someone's going to need him. Someone, I mean, Derrick Rose is probably a better trade value right now than Blake Griffin because, I mean, Derrick Rose is a point guard. Like, who doesn't need that? second string third string point guard and Derrick Rose still proven that he plays the point guard of his era very well he's not exactly the come out and shoot 10 threes a game type guy but he facilitates the ball very well and really you can't really be picky with what they do if the Pistons get aggressive fine it doesn't really change the season Yes, you might lose a fan favorite, but 
at this point, it's kind of hard to pick. It's kind of hard to have those fan favorites other than Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose, because you don't know how long these guys are going to be here. And so a six-month, half-season fan favorite doesn't really have that pull of, for example, the Lions trading Stafford, where they gave Stafford the final say. He said, yep, I'll go to the Rams anywhere but New England. They just gave it to him. It's not going to be like that for Jeremiah Grant. It's going to be, hey, the Nuggets are calling. <laughs> I mean, it's a bad example, but hey, the Bucks are calling. We're going to answer it, and if they want you, you're gone. And as disappointing as it is, I mean, sure, I don't think Jeremiah Grant is going to be that guy that's like, well, I won't play if you trade me. I think he'll be frustrated. I think it'll drive him more. And, I mean, we'll just see what happens. And as far as the episode goes, we dove into Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Pistons. So thank you for tuning in to Grant Slant's Detroit's Day on February 1st. I will see you all on Wednesday.